0: The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, Tanner Hoops with you. Thanks for hanging out with us Monday afternoon, start of a brand new week. We have a little extra knowledge in our pocket because we know who's heading to the Super Bowl. Charlie Bramer's in the studio with us. Is always glad to have you here. It's cold out. You were brave enough to be able to go outside in the elements. It got down to negative 24 earlier today in Iron Mountain. Man, it's cold up here.
1: It is very cold, but for the first time in weeks, I also have my sunglasses on, so go figure.
0: Yeah, It's bright and sunny out, and sunny, pretty shiny. Yep. It's misleading, though, because very. it is cold out there. We're in the single digits throughout the week, and it doesn't look like it's going to be warming up here anytime soon. But the NFL season continues to heat up as we're down to our final two teams. We have got the Rams, and we've got the Patriots heading to the Super Bowl, and that's still two weeks away. We get the Pro Bowl coming up here this weekend. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. I have the same reaction. You're so
1: excited, aren't you?
0: Well, they went back to AFC and NFC, but the bad news is the Pro Bowl still you know, exists, or it's still a week before the Super Bowl. I actually liked it when it was in Hawaii after the Super Bowl. I liked that a lot better.
1: Yeah, I don't know. For some reason, I did too, but it doesn't really matter to me, but I... Now that you mention it, I did prefer that format.
0: Now I really don't like this what they have going on where it's the week before the Super Bowl and in Orlando. I just don't like it.
1: Yeah, and 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 I think it has something to do with, you know, players from the Suit you know, if they had a week after, then the players who were in the Super Bowl could be there mm-hmm. and uh I don't know, it just it's like the an end of the season thing. When there's still one more game to be played. It's not a mid-season thing where – and and maybe that would be something down the road. Like you get like a week 14 bye. Every team gets a mm-hmm. week 14 bye. But NFL Pro Bowl is such a – that's got to be the worst performance as far as – it just doesn't compare anything to the actual sport, like baseball. That that game can get intense. That mm-hmm. all star game get really intense. You're playing for something. Yeah, and now guys like Giannis, they're taking that all star game pretty seriously now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that Pro Bowl, that that that'll never be a mid season format either. Yeah. So, however they do it, they're probably going to have their issues and. It'll just be whatever. I'm sure there's plenty of people that still watch it, so they'll never do away with it. And some people really like the you know, like the weightlifting activities, who can bench the most, all that type of stuff. That can get fun.
0: I'll be watching the NHL All-Star game this weekend. There you I'm, go. I'm more excited for that. And
1: they take that more seriously, too, than Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm.
0: A lot of them do, anyway. I don't like necessarily the precedent Alex Ovechkin might be setting by sitting out. I get why he's doing it. I just don't like it. Either way, we had a great day of football yesterday. Let's be honest, the playoffs up to that point yesterday were pretty underwhelming. You know, we didn't have as many good games as I really thought that we might. But yesterday, we had two great football games. First time ever, both conference championship games go to overtime. And despite the great football that we saw, two great games, they're both being overshadowed by a couple of missed calls by the officials or I should say bad calls that impacted if not outright determined the outcome of at least one maybe both games.
1: Yeah, don't you don't you just that you just got to despise that, you know, and 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 as a player or a coach, there are so many other instances where you know what you could have done differently so that the call wouldn't have seemingly decided the game. But as fans, it just so often points to one single call when when really there's so much more, but yeah, it really it it, it it's to us it's the calls right
0: that's the one that's going to stand out to yeah. everybody, and yeah, I know you could have done other stuff like d Ford makes that interception, then the game's over. you don't right. have to put it in the ref's hands, but you hate that that's what determines the outcome of games of that high of caliber that important, what have you. You think back to 2009, the NFC Championship game, where they had some questionable hits on Brett Favre that could have very well been called. That propelled the Saints to the Super Bowl, oh, which they later yeah. won. And then they get a little bit of taste of their own medicine 10 years later.
1: Right. And with their when their quarterback is Brett Favre, about Brett Favre mm-hmm. age at that time, um, yeah, you know, I mean, those calls today definitely would have been called on Brett Favre. Um He's got to be just, you know, I wonder what he's thinking at home. Just pick up those flags. Just play the game, you know?
0: Yeah, think about the missed call on the hit that really cost the Saints the game because they get that pass interference call. They're set up for a field goal with little time left on the clock, if any. They can hit a chip shot, win it, and go to the Super Bowl. It's how it should have played out, but then they go to overtime, and Greg Zerline, Greg the leg, man, he hits – A 48-yarder to tie it, and then the 57-yarder to win it, and that could have been good from a lot more. He had some blank into that one. So the Rams are on to the Super Bowl as Saints miss out. I was almost right in my prediction of Saints-Patriots, but maybe they should have both got there. Yeah,
1: I think think as far as your pick, that still counts as a good pick. I'll take it. It has to because when it's that close. I'll take it. Yeah, when it's that close.
0: How about the AFC game? That was a good one. We saw Patrick Mahomes lead his team down the field late, and they were able to come back and got a few defensive breaks to go their way. The Chiefs' defense kept them in that game for a while, but ultimately kind of does them in because maybe their best defensive player drops what would have been the game-sealing interception, and they go on to lose in overtime 37-31.
1: Yeah, and, and Brady even left. You know, like, seeing him throw a red zone pick, mm-hmm. just just stuff like that that happened. You just don't typically see that. You know, it kind of felt like that was not their best game and they were really potentially in trouble. But obviously they got by and, I mean, what if they win the Super Bowl, I mean, what is that even mm-hmm. – does it even matter at this point if they win another one like – that dynasty is so great already. Um, it w- There's not really a conversation of, or is there, if, if he wins this, you know, is he going to retire type of conversation. There's really not too much of that going on.
0: There's some people who think that. I don't think there's truth to it or at least a lot of validity to it. I still think Tom can go two, three, four more years. I do think this will be the end for Gronk. I think one way or another... Super Bowl Sunday is going to be his last game.
1: Yeah, and and I always forget how old he is. It's it's kind of funny. He is a lot older always. Whenever I'm mm-hmm. reminded, he's so he's like, dang, he really is that old. Um, but yeah, it it's over for him. But he he's just one of those classic good players that they can replace, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but really, I mean, they are running out of fingers over there to put rings on. Yeah, and. Belichick just always says he's gonna keep chasing it and keep chasing it, and at a certain point, it's you know what is he even chasing anymore? I tell you
0: what, after the missed pass interference call yesterday, which the league said they admitted to Sean Payton that they missed, it was missed on the field, and I don't know what Sean can really do about or what does he do with that? You know, I guess that makes up for not going to the Super Bowl. (laughs) Yeah,
1: not really though, right?
0: Not really. No. But you think about that, and the NFL had to be hoping that the Saints would somehow win that game because if it played out the way it did, then they would be on the overtime rules of the NFL. And here we are. We're letting two great football performances get overshadowed by officiating.
1: Yeah, and that's just, this game, the way football is as a game, it just cannot be they're trying to over officiate it. It just cannot be that you there there's, there's got to be room there for for leeway because they are trying to tighten down and call every little thing and then when you don't call something it I mean it's just so over officiated obviously. Don't really need to get into it, but they need to let the players play a little bit mm-hmm. more. Um they do that as the season goes on. I mean early in the season, those Clay Matthews hits you know after that stuff week four or five they really started um giving a little more leeway on some roughing the passer calls and then as the season goes on that continues with pass interference calls you see less and less and so it's kind of funny how that works how throughout the season they continue to let the players play more and more but it's still way over officiated compared to what it was I mean, the football we were watching as little kids, mm-hmm. like we're talking about the hits Brett Favre was taken and the way the game was played, it was just totally different. And the NFL, in trying to save its image, I mean, they they want their game to be super, super tight and super, super officiated. Well, then they're kind of ruining their image. The way they're trying to save it, it's really ruining it. I don't know what they can do. The only thing I can think they could do is just let them play some more give them that little more leeway let the wide receivers push a little more let the defensive backs push a little more you know if a quarterback's gonna get hit take a few more hits is that better than like having these conversations every single week of all oh, these officials the officials the officials if if a quarterback just takes a hit you know that that that's less con- controversial I guess, really.
0: I don't think the NFL wants to make that trade, though, because the quarterbacks are the money makers. They want to protect those guys as much as possible. And to me, I get the feeling from what I know about the NFL office, right or wrong, is they're going to protect who makes them the most money. And for them, that's offensive players, and that's why they're changing the rules to benefit offense, because defense just isn't as sexy as being able to put up points.
1: Right. And it's, I mean, everything you say is very true, but I'm just saying it. it's... I feel like what they're doing to save their image and and to save their product, it's really kind of actually ruining their product. And to me, it's just let these quarterbacks take some hits, let guys get a little more physical. That's the game of football I grew up knowing and loving. Um, It's almost like they're playing more of a basketball out there more than ever. Um, But it is what it is, and the NFL is going to make of it what it is, and I'll always still watch it, of course. Um, I just wish they'd let them play a little bit more, and then hopefully it wouldn't come down to these refs' calls. There obviously probably would be a little more injuries, and there would be a few more star quarterbacks missing a few more games. But, I mean, I'll happily watch any backup. I mean, football is football to me. Let's let these guys play.
0: Charlie Bramer's in the studio with us. We owe you our first time out. We'll come back and we'll preview the Super Bowl, and we'll talk about... What does the NFL do about its problem with overtime? That's next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP
1: and on the ESPN-UP
0: app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Charlie Bramer with you. Thanks for being with us. Well, the Super Bowl stage is set. Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta, a little less than two weeks from now, will feature the Los Angeles Rams and the New England Patriots. MLB, the World Series, was Boston and L.A., and now it's the same way in football. So if that foreshadows anything, that means that we're going to get a Celtics-Lakers final? either of those two going to get anything figured out and make it to their league final in the NBA?
1: I really don't think so.
0: I don't either, but if there's anything that the last few months have shown us is that Celtics-Lakers are on a collision course in the NBA Finals because, for whatever reason, all these Boston and L.A. teams make their sports championship. I don't think the Kings are going to be doing that in hockey, though. They would be on pace to play the Bruins in the Stanley Cup Final. I don't think either of those teams are going to get there. But they're having a lot of success in those two cities. I think they're happy with what they have right now. I'm
1: sure the NBA would love a
0: Celtics-Lakers final.
1: I'd love it. I'm a
0: Celtics fan, and I, I like it better when the Lakers are good and competitive. Because I think it's better for basketball when the Celtics and Lakers are both good. Because of those two brands and what they mean for the sport, I like that a lot. So, I hated it as a Celtics fan when the Lakers were terrible like they were for a lot of the last decade.
1: Yeah, I just, you know, I look at net ratings and per 100 possession statistics, all these things, and uh, the Lakers have gotten somewhat better, and the Celtics, obviously they have so much potential, but you just look at the per 100 ratings, and I mean, the Bucks are just really blowing everybody away, and they I mean, if they continue at the pace that they have been playing at, they could be a historically great team, at least statistically speaking. They probably won't win 70 games, which is kind of funny.
0: I want to go back to football and talk about what the NFL needs to do about overtime. We have a Twitter poll going on right now, and the three options are should the NFL switch to college overtime rules, play one extra quarter, doesn't matter who scores first or what is scored, it's just 15 or even 10 minutes on the clock, you play it out until you have a winner, and if you're still tied... Have another one. Go to double overtime. Or the third option is leave it be. Leave it as it is right now. If it were up to you, if you were Roger Goodell, Commissioner of the NFL, what would be your solution for overtime?
1: I would really want to go with the ten minute overtime, you huh? know, a timed um doesn't matter who scores first or any of this. They've already tried to, you know, take away the the field goal, the first field goal obviously doesn't win it, but i like another period being played but then you run into a whole thing of okay then what if that's tied then you start to got a problem on your hands because these games could really get long and then you're talking major potential for injury so it's kind of uh that's probably why they haven't gone to that style or format of overtime yet but maybe do a 10 minute overtime and then a sudden death potentially i don't know what do you think about that
0: either way something needs to change i mean we're both in agreement on that as they can't keep going with the same format they have right now because like you saw last night a game that determines a team going to the super bowl the outcome is determined by the flip of a coin i mean you can't tell me if the chiefs had won that coin toss and got the ball mahomes isn't a good enough quarterback that he could have put his offense in into the end zone on their opening drive and we'd be talking about the Chiefs going to the Super Bowl we'd be talking about Chiefs Rams volume two right now right
1: and and I and I kind of like college rules I mean it really you know the kicking game a lot of times in college rules really I mean you could you see a lot of times several times three or four field goals exchanged in uh, college rules over time and so that kind of brings in the into account how well-rounded is your football team, things like that. But, I don't know, maybe maybe a 10-minute initial overtime and then something that's sudden death. If it's still tied after that, then we can go to sudden death. Definitely not a tie. No. Got to get rid of the ties. Have to. I Now that the Packers have been involved in some ties, um, when it comes down to it at the end of the season, it can help out with your winning percentage or it can hurt you. But either way, it's, it's got to it's be stupid. gone. Yeah, it's got to be are gone. Stupid.
0: Well, I tell you what, let's talk about Super Bowl's 53 matchup. You've got the Rams, who are going to be wearing their blue jerseys. They'll be the designated home team taking on the Patriots. The Rams opened as slight favorites when the first odds came out last night, but now it's been adjusted to, say, Patriots by two right now. So right now the Patriots are two-point favorites in the Super Bowl over L.A., God. That kind of surprised me. I like the Patriots, i got to say. I do. I don't but, think the Rams yeah. should be here for one thing, and I just am not going to bet against Belichick and Brady.
1: Yeah, I've got to agree with that. If I was going to be betting on this game, I would definitely take the Patriots. Um, I wish there was a little bit more of a, a line than just two points. Mm-hmm. Um, it could get more, a little more interesting, a little more fun as far as betting.
0: Well, and that can still adjust over the next... Right. Week and a half, a little over that,
1: and I'm sure. Well, you know, injury news, all these things. There's so much I can play into that, different factors into the line, into the spread. But I mean, is is anybody really expecting the Patriots to lose? Especially after they beat the way they beat the Chiefs, it's like, are they even? There's no way they're going to lose this Super Bowl. There's there's no way yeah. there. I mean, the Patriots. Is anybody really giving the Rams a fair chance in this game, do you think, other than Rams fans?
0: A lot of people are hoping that the Rams have a chance in this game. There's a lot of people sick of seeing Tom Brady and the Patriots in the Super Bowl.
1: And and I, I understand that. Um, I I used to feel that way, but now I'm really starting to to appreciate how much, how great these guys are at what they do and how they really must enjoy what they're doing mm-hmm. because – to be at this high of a level it it takes a certain drive and to sustain that after i mean they have the riches but they still there's something it's not it's not the trophy it's not the rings on the finger there is something there that's driving these guys to be so great and and to me it's really getting fun to watch even now it i mean it's it picks up every year you think of how many consecutive championship games um brady's been to in in his conference championship games mm-hmm. and then how many super bowls those guys have won together that is it's it's never going to happen again it's, it's one a of dynasty those things of yeah. its own it's one of those things that i really think if you are a true fan of the game of football try to enjoy this a little bit more because it's nothing like this is ever going to happen again
0: Let's think about the matchup and how that appeals to a lot of fans. A lot of people wanted Mahomes in there because, you know, he's the young, new thing. He's the next big thing coming up. And a lot of people are sick of Brady. I agree with you. We can appreciate greatness. But there are some people who want to see somebody new in there. Drew Brees is a guy that maybe isn't quite as household of a name as he should be compared to some of the great quarterbacks. And then, yes, somebody who's not a football fan who's... You know, kind of an average, they'll have the Super Bowl on, but they don't follow the league. Do you think any of them would know who Jared Goff is? So maybe, for popularity reasons, you know, because a lot of people who don't follow football are going to have the Super Bowl on. Maybe for popularity reasons, this was the worst matchup that the NFL could have wanted. Because you've got Brady, who's been there before. He's one of those recurring features. And then a quarterback who nobody really knows,
1: I think, I really think it's better than if it, than if it was a Chiefs Rams. Do yeah. you? I I think it's better, um, the familiarity of the whole Brady, and people like the fans that you're talking about. They 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 can really, they know that storyline. They know the Patriots storyline pretty good already, and um, obviously, I, you know your pick for the Super Bowl the Saints. Patriots I think that would have been the best ratings you know yeah. game out of the potential out of the potential that we had with the final four um yeah that game I think that would have been the best ratings game but but really does it does it matter the ratings probably will be the same regardless right i mean like you said the casual fans going to have it on either way right so i don't really know how um how much how much does that really make a difference? I'm sure the NFL knows. I'm sure they've got it figured out. But but uh, I I can't seem to be able to point put a finger on that just because I feel no matter what, people are going to have that game on.
0: You think about this year's playoffs. We said earlier they were pretty underwhelming, yet they were the most watched playoffs in recent memory. So people are going to tune in. And there you're was right. you're absolutely right.
1: Right. And there was some good storylines as far as the playoffs, you know. Um I think there was a pretty good interest in Philip Rivers and what they were trying to do there um at least in winning a playoff game. Uh I almost said with San Diego but the Chargers. Um I will forever say the San Diego Chargers. That's what they are to me. Mm-hmm. Um But don't you think for them not to be called the San Diego Chargers, they got to get they got to get a new logo. They can't have that bolt on their hel- the lightning bolt on their helmet anymore. It just makes it too too easy to call them the San Diego Chargers.
0: Tell you what, you're a baseball guy, or you like baseball. You like everything, but here's a baseball related stat for Great. the Super Bowl. Tom Brady, we all know what he has accomplished as a football player, but. Little known about him is that he was a fantastic baseball player as well, a left-handed hitting catcher. He was drafted in the 18th round of the 1995 draft by Montreal. Jared Goff's father, Jerry, formerly played catcher for the Montreal Expos. So that's your weird little baseball connection, specifically with the Montreal Expos going into this Super Bowl.
1: Isn't it funny how many guys who are... In different sports, just in professional sports in general, how many now had fathers and uncles who mm-hmm. were... There is just so many stories like that. It's it's really unreal how how many connections there are like that. And um, I actually got to go to a Montreal Expos game. Mm. It was the year Miller Park opened. Um, the Expos came to Miller Park. That I think that would have been uh, Montreal's last season. Um, the first season of Miller Park. Mm. So... I don't know. It's kind of it was kind of cool. I think I'll hold on to that. I mean, I was a real little kid, so if if I make it to be old, I'll be able to say I I saw the expos. <laughs> Not that anybody will care, right?
0: Hey, I I like the expos for whatever reason. I like that color scheme, the logo, the uniforms. I like that. I know they were a financial disaster where they were up in Montreal, right. but I liked them for whatever reason. I have a jersey.
1: Yeah, and and to me, it always surprised me when i mean them those canadians they can latch on to their baseball teams that surprised me Mm -hmm. they they get behind their hometown teams up there and man the blue jays are going to be scary good in a couple years Mm -hmm. that's
0: what i keep hearing
1: if 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 we want to get into canadian baseball they have some scary good and those are all a lot of guys that were their fathers were great Mm -hmm. professional baseball players and now they're up and coming stars
0: I tell you what, before we take our next time out, because we're pushing the bottom of the hour, I'll throw a couple of stats of the day at you, and these relate back to yesterday's games. Yesterday was the sixth time ever in an NFL playoff game that a head coach was younger than the opposing quarterback. And it was the second time that the coach's team has won such games. The only other coach to do it besides Sean McVay yesterday when he beat Drew Brees was Mike Tomlin back in 2008 when he took down Kurt Warner. McVay's been part of two of those six games in which a coach in the playoffs is younger than the opposing quarterback. Your other stat of the day, in the NFC Championship, a new record was set for the widest age gap in postseason history between two starting quarterbacks. with Drew Brees, who just turned 40 on Tuesday, and Jared Goff. Who's 24? So a little over 15 years between those two. That record lasted for three hours until the AFC Championship game kicked off, when 41-year-old Tom Brady took on 23-year-old Patrick Mahomes. So, a little bit of double dipping on stat of the day.
1: And and those are some good ones. Um, that it's it's kind of funny how you know one when one record is broken like that, and then the very next game mm-hmm. the same thing it's broken again. Um, I think it's interesting that, you know, both the old guys didn't win, both the young guys didn't win. It's a split, you know, so you can't really hang your hat on anything there. Um, and overall, good good football weekend. I'll good take it. Weekend. I'll you take bet. it.
0: We'll take a time out when we come back. Was this the worst season ever for the NFL kicker? That's next in the sports pan on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN UP
1: and on the ESPN UP app.
0: The Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Tanner Hoops Charlie Bramer with you. Here is your Sports Center update. The Los Angeles Lakers have announced that Lonzo Ball will miss the next four to six weeks after suffering a grade three ankle sprain on Saturday against the Rockets. The football that was used when the Miami Dolphins scored the Miami Miracle touchdown to beat New England sold at an auction for $18,678 over the weekend. And finally, happy 20th birthday to Super Smash Bros. The original Super Smash Bros. video game was released on this day in 1999. That is your Sports Center update. Big fan of the Super Smash Bros. video game, Charlie, you ever play that growing up?
1: I did. I mean, is there any kid from the '90s that
0: didn't? Right, everyone had that Nintendo. They were playing with whatever character
1: they decided to now, go
0: with. Did you have a favorite character from that?
1: Um, I don't know about from that game. I, I definitely did. In uh, you know, once you started playing like uh, Super Mario Kart and well, stuff, yeah, I N64. was always a Mario
0: guy when you played Mario Kart. I don't think I was when I played Super Smash Bros. With him. I thought there were other characters you remember Ness I think I played with Ness quite a bit I could never beat Zelda like if somebody played as Zelda that was like my kryptonite I could never figure out how to beat Zelda I don't know if she had some weird powers or whatever I think Kirby was pretty tough too he was tough for me to beat
1: yep and and all those characters now are reminding me of like yeah like Super Smash Bros all those games um Mario Party yes um, on N64 I mean they had a million of those the best golf video game I have ever played to this day is um, just regular old Mario Golf on N64. Oh, really? I mean, uh, uh, me and a buddy will play that sometimes, break out the old N64 yes. um, from the childhood, get it out the box. And that is by far the best golf game. Um, I don't know how they did it. But what what a great game they made!
0: Do you have a favorite character to use in that? Were you a Jigglypuff guy?
1: Um, on the on the Mario <laughs> Golf, we uh, it it I can't remember the name. It her name is Maple. Maple Maple. It's uh, she's not a character, and I don't believe she's in any of the other games. She's just on Mario Golf. Mm. But we always used her because she had a straight drive. She didn't have a fade. She was the only one without a fade, so that made it a lot easier, especially for putting.
0: Charlie Bramer's in the studio with you. I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for hanging out with us. Getting just across the bottom of the hour here on Friday afternoon. Was this the worst NFL season ever for kickers? It's hard to think of a season that was more challenging because we saw a lot of good kickers struggle this season. And Greg Leg made up for it yesterday with his heroic performance to help L.A. get to the Super Bowl. He made up for it a little bit. But you think about some of the most consistent guys in football and Adam Vinatieri, the all-time leading scorer in the league, he missed a couple of kicks against the Chiefs last week. You saw what happened with Mason Crosby, I know, and he had been extremely consistent for the Packers over the last few years. And then Justin Tucker, the epitome of kicker consistency, misses what would have tied a game and cost the Ravens a ball game in the regular season. And of course, we all know Daniel Carlson with the Vikings and then they get Dan Bailey and he struggled. So it's hard to think of a year where kickers, especially veterans, have struggled more.
1: Yeah, and even uh at the college level, there were some kickers, um the Badgers kicker, um he I mean, he had such a great career and um the last couple games and then the bowl game he really struggled. And um I don't know if that was like trying to really do something to boost his chances of making an NFL squad or getting a chance at something like that. But, yeah, there's something going around with kickers this year at more than just the NFL level. And, like, Mason Crosby, he had a fairly decent year. And, like, some of these other guys that like you mentioned, Justin Tucker, had a decent year, but they lost some games, yeah. which that never happens. I can – I think Mason Crosby lost the Packers two games, and – I mean, he lost him that Lions game and lost him that Cardinals game, and I really think ultimately costed Mike McCarthy his job. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's probably, you can probably have a very good chance of being correct if you say, well, Mike McCarthy would have lost his job regardless, but Mason Crosby's foot definitely helped push him out the door.
0: You could throw Cody Parkey up there because everyone's going to remember him because of the miss against the eagles and again that was tip they went back and saw in the video it was tip but he really struggled before that i mean he had a rough regular season missing big kicks for them including one that would have beat the dolphins in the regular season
1: yep and the dolphins had some uh go their way yeah. the way it looks yeah so it's kind of funny how you know a kicker struggling for one team i mean it equally helps another mm-hmm. so
0: well dolphins are still waiting to get their next head coach them and the Bengals were the two teams that were waiting to get head coaches because they've got their men in line but they just needed the teams that they're currently coaching with to have their season come to an end and both of them are playing on to the super bowl so the Bengals are targeting zach taylor quarterbacks coach of the rams and the dolphins want patriots linebacker coach brian flores they're both going to have to wait at least a couple more weeks if those are indeed the guys that they're going after this year. But it looks like we're finally starting to get a little consistency at the coaching spots.
1: And how much turnover do you think there's going to be in Cincinnati with the Bengals? I mean, as far as that roster, there's mm-hmm. talent there, but are they going to stick with Andy Dalton? And, I mean, there is some serious roster turn- potential there for roster turnover, guys that have been there for a long time.
0: Are you a little surprised Mike McCarthy doesn't have a job for this season?
1: Um, I was kind of surprised. I thought he was really – he interviewed with the Browns. I really thought he had a better chance of getting that job. I do not He mustn't have wanted it because he it was stated saying the only job that he would have really taken would have been the Jets' job. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out he got in deep some talks with ownership, didn't like the power structure – And just pulled his name out of consideration. So, I don't know what this means for him. I don't know if a year off would be good. Um, A year off can be good for some guys and not so good for others. So, I don't know. Do you think he will coach another team in the NFL?
0: I think he'll coach in the NFL. At least, I think he should coach in the NFL. You know, talking with Dallas Cowboy fans. I mean, Mike McCarthy would be an upgrade over Jason Garrett. I think he's doing the right thing if he wants to be a coach in the NFL again. I think he's doing the right thing taking this year off because you can afford to do that when you've got a Super Bowl ring, you've got that kind of accomplishments. I don't blame him at all for not wanting to be someone's coordinator somewhere.
1: Well, certainly I would not expect him to take a coordinator job. Um, But, and and yeah, I mean, I guess it's kind of like even with the John Gruden thing. You sit out from the game for a while, you really start to – people start to remember you a little bit more fondly and that super bowl win it, it'll be remembered a little more fondly his 15 in one season his being the fastest coach to 100 wins all these things will start to stand out a little more than his last two seasons in green bay so maybe it'll even help him get the job or get a job that he really wants if if he sits out a year or two
0: Some of these names that are starting to float back through the system, Gary Kubiak is still in the NFL. He has a job as an assistant with the Vikings, which I thought was a great hire. Kubiak's one of those guys that struggles when all the pressure's on him as a head coach, and certainly he had that heart attack at the halftime of a game a couple of years ago when he was coaching the Texans. But he's so smart, and in his assistant role, I mean, that's a great pickup for the Vikings. But then you look around the league and there's guys like Mike Munchak and Rex Ryan and Hugh Jackson and they're just never going to go away. You always will have those names that are popping up, whether they're actually interested or not. Whenever there's a vacancy, those names are going to pop up.
1: Yep, and and many of the guys that you named, I view them as great coordinators. Like a Wade Phillips, yeah, a fantastic coordinator, um, can be on the cutting edge of defense in the NFL for how many decades? I mean... That takes – it's not just intellect, but it takes humility. And I mean, there's so much at play there to to remain at the top of your field for that long. But they just don't quite work out as head coaches for whatever reason. And uh, the Ryan brothers, even their Mm -hmm. father, um, who have had – they've had success as head coaches. But nothing very – Sustained, I guess you could say, and ultimately they all ended. I guess you could call it failed um, attempts at head coaching, even though there was some success at the start. But so many of these guys, I, I believe they belong as coordinators, and um, I like it. Give give the head coaching jobs to some of these younger, unproven guys. See see, see if they have it. You know, because just just to keep cycling through um these older guys that you know yeah they've proven they're great coordinators but they've also proven there's something lacking from their head coaching ability um that's something that gives me hope for the packers hire um but there are some coaches out there that you mentioned um like mike mccarthy and even possibly gary kubiak who could have potential to be um pretty good head coaches in the future in the nfl um and then it comes down to also a guy's uh, pride. Will they take a coordinator job? I don't think Mike McCarthy would. No. Gary Ku- Kubiak obviously will. but um, well, I don't think he wants to
0: be a head coach again because of all his health struggles right. and what have you. I think he's content to stay in the league but let all that pressure rest on somebody else. But you brought up yeah. Wade Phillips, and he's the perfect example mm-hmm. of you don't need to be a great head coach to be a great coordinator.
1: And and I think Chuck Pagano kind of fits yeah. into that whole Gary Kubiak mold where it's like, man, these guys are great football guys. Their, plays, their players love playing for them. There's just something lacking there in there. You couldn't you, you hardly say it's their attention to detail because these guys are so football-focused. Mm-hmm. So it's just really interesting wondering what the heck is it, but there's just something lacking there. Um, they make them surefire hires for coordinators. They really do
0: saw nathaniel hackett's on his way up to green bay he's gonna be the new offensive coordinator yikes you think joe philbin's ever gonna have a job again um
1: joe as a head coach i do not believe as a head coach um he's another guy that i think he's a great coordinator there's something lacking there from a head coaching standpoint but i don't know about this hire i am very very nervous about this hire um They've obviously had some success running the ball recently in Jacksonville, but they also spent, like, what was Leonard Fournette, a top 10 pick? Mm -hmm. I mean, so there's talent there as well. Um, And they were running behind a pretty good line. How do you grade that pick? I I don't know. I don't even know where to begin on that.
0: I said on the show last week, I believe that foreshadowing that Leonard Fournette could make his way to Green Bay. That?
1: I like that idea. That's not a bad idea.
0: I I believe that. Hiring John Filippo as the offensive coordinator in Jacksonville is a sign that they are going to restructure their offense. They're going to go from a run-heavy team under Blake Bortles to a pass-heavy team under John Filippo. He'll get a chance to bring in his guy at quarterback, which I'm predicting will be Nick Foles. He'll make his way down to Jacksonville. They're going to become a pass-dominant team, and I don't see a future there for Leonard Fournette, especially since he's suing the team right now. I would think it would make a lot of sense for him to follow his former coordinator up to Green
1: Bay. And and there's potential there for that obviously. Um but I really like the running backs Green Bay has. It's just a real shame Aaron Jones is so injury prone. Mm-hmm. Um his style of running um he, he and he's a small guy, really really does take punishment, does not go down easy. Um and there's something going on with his knees. He keeps having knee problems. That's never a good sign especially when the guy's that young. Um, But you can never have too many running backs on an NFL roster, that's for sure.
0: Charlie Bramer's in the studio with us. We'll take our last time out. We'll come back and break down college hoops. The new rankings are out. That's next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP
1: and on the ESPN-UP app.
0: Sports Pan on ESPN-UP, Tanner Hoops, Charlie Bramer, thanks for hanging out with us, winding you down to the 5 o'clock hour. Well, new college basketball rankings are out, Tennessee is the new number one team in college basketball. I don't know when I would have thought that would have happened or when I'd be able to say that, but the Volunteers occupy the top spot, followed by Duke, Virginia, Gonzaga, And then Michigan falls back to number five with Michigan State just outside the top five. They come in at number six. And then Marquette comes in 12th. The Badgers get a big win on Saturday. Unbeaten no more. They take down the Wolverines 64-54. And then that night, Duke gets the win over Virginia. So no unbeatens left in college basketball this year. The
1: madness is starting a little early. I'm really surprised that the Badgers were able to beat Michigan. If you would have told me... Badger scores 64 points, so they win or lose that game. I would have thought no way. Yeah, I'd have thought they've had to put up at least 70 <laughs> to take down Michigan. And I don't, I don't know what it was. It, it's so interesting to me how um, one game the Badgers' defense can seem so stifling, In another game they'll give up 75, 80 points. It's, it's so strange. It's, it's the inconsistency of a young team. They really showed. Why, last time I was on the show, we were saying they're gonna be a dangerous team come March
0: and they're showing that they could be the team that nobody wants to match up with. They're a team that they may not get on a run and go all the way to the final four, but they can sure stop you from doing it
1: certainly, and if their outside shooting king can, can becomes consistent, then I think they're very, very dangerous, obviously. I don't think their free throw shooting's ever going to be very consistent, but they got some guys that can knock it down from outside if they can get consistent that's that's going a lot is going to hinge on that for them.
0: were you expecting B-Line to go to hackahap a little bit
1: earlier um i I think I would have yeah and and because not only is he such a poor free throw shooter, but I think that stuff gets into his head and it affects other aspects of his game. He does not. It's it's so strange, because I was about to say he doesn't like the pressure, but when the Badgers need a bucket, he can go down and get them a bucket, mm-hmm. but there's something about the pressure of a free throw that he cannot just, he can't calm it down, it seems like. And, and he doesn't have the ugliest looking free throw shot. You know, Jaron Jackson Jr. was born left-handed. He's in the NBA shooting free throws over 80% right-handed. So, I don't know... How And his free throw, Jaron Jackson Jr., his free throw looks a lot uglier to me than Ethan Haps. And he's shooting like 40% better from the line. It's so strange. It's such a mental thing. And he's going to have to get his free throw shooting over 50% for the Badgers to make a real run at this. And hopefully they can get a better seed, get some good matchups. Hopefully they can get stuff like the outside shooting hot. For the Big Ten tournament and get a higher seed in in the overall um, the big tournament at the end of the year the madness as you referred to but I I don't know man it it is just so when it's a close game and you know it's going to be a close game ooh that just does not feel good as a Badgers fan because you know what it's going to come down to and you just do not like those odds
0: if the season were to end right now. And you're Joe Lenardi. You're placing teams in the bracket. Where do you put the Badgers? Would they be about a 7 seed right now? Would that be fair to say? I I think
1: I wouldn't be surprised if they were an 8th or a ninth even. But yeah, somewhere in that 7 and 9 range.
0: You think about Hap and his future playing basketball. His skill set could translate to the NBA. I mean, it wouldn't be the end of the world if he was a bad free throw shooter that could contribute to an nba team i mean guys have gotten through their careers doing that before but you wonder what hap needs to do here in the final stretches of his career to get his
1: skill set to translate to the nba or to be attractive to an nba team and and the thing is last year he he was apparently told you know he was not going to be a first round pick so he stayed for his uh, senior year in wisconsin and Has anything changed? Nothing has changed. His game hasn't changed. Maybe he's gotten a little better, a little more proficient at scoring in the low post. Um, Maybe he's become a little better rebounder. But those aren't the things that he was needing to improve on to take his game to the next level. So I wouldn't be surprised if he even goes undrafted. Um, Maybe somebody will take a stab at him in the second round. We'll see some potential there. 30 years ago... He'd have been a top 10 pick. Yeah. He would have been just, I mean, he would have been an amazing low post. Back, like I said last time on the show, back in the Danny Fortson, Jason Caffey, Scott Williams, the, when there was guys who were 6'8 to 6'10 that banged in the low post, Robert Tractor trailer days. Um, I, When there was a real four in the NBA, when there was a real power forward presence, he would have fit that mold. I mean... The, the the sweet moves he has down low, that 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 would have played great thirty, forty years ago in the NBA. But but now with with the spacing that's needed, he's just gonna be another dinosaur in a game that's evolving very, very quickly. And you gotta be able to space the floor. You do not want your four or your power forward to be that centered around just sticking in the paint. You need to be able to move them need to be able to move those guys around
0: we're seeing the next generation of big men guys who can step behind the arc handle the basketball guys who can shoot from three that's become the new norm for big men in the nba
1: yeah and and there was a guy um vucevic the the center for um the orlando magic mm. um he did some incredible stuff against the bucks the other day and and i'm just thinking you know and there are guys being waived now um, that roster turnover is starting. to – teams are starting to tank. There are guys being, beginning to become available. And another week went by with Detroit not really making too much moves, um, or or even, really, obviously not making any moves, but really not even giving an inclination that they're going to do such a thing. Mm-hmm. And now Andre Drummond's in the concussion protocol. Are they just giving up on this season? What is going on they with that be. roster?
0: They're in a pretty enviable state for a team that is maybe just one piece away from not only getting into the playoffs, but maybe knocking off a team in the first-round series. They could get in and win a series. I know people are high on Reggie Bullock saying you give him a few years, let him develop. I'm just not sure that he's ready to take that next step or that he will be Anytime soon. I mean, I, I want to stay high on Reggie. I just... I don't know how much longer you can afford to wait.
1: Now, and, and Blake Griffin's on the wrong side of 30. Yeah. So, that's why... If, a Blake, Griffin, if Blake Griffin was the honest's age, then i say, yeah, give it the time. But, but they, they can't afford that. No. That's why I'm saying they need to do something this year. They've only got a few more years of Blake Griffin playing at this level. And obviously his game... He seems like the type of guy, he'll probably still be around when he's 34, 35, 36, and I think he'll be playing at a high level with how he's been able to evolve his game kind of from the inside out and becoming more of an outside scorer, and I think he'll stick kind of like a Dirk Nowitzki's been able to and a Vince Carter, how they've evolved their game. I think he will do like a similar thing. He's going to be a lot like a Vince Carter in his later years, but that doesn't mean they can let these great years go by. They've they have to make moves they have to somehow i mean would detroit be a team that's willing to go into the luxury tax to bring somebody on board that can make the impact needed they it's not like they really need a player of an all-star caliber we're just looking for a guy that can shoot the ball from the outside and there are a lot of those out there and available and there's guys that have been available that have got picked up by other teams and i'm just sitting here scratching my head like did detroit even make a play on that guy what's Mm -hmm. going on here i mean jj reddick could you imagine if jj reddick was on that detroit Pistons team they would be such a complete team then i mean it'd be totally different it's just one guy away and it's a guy that's not really that much of a game changer but with his specialty it could really help that roster
0: You look over in the Eastern Conference, and right now there's kind of an upper echelon of teams that are seriously contending for the East. You could say that there's as many as five of them. Of course, you've got Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, Philadelphia, and maybe Indiana. Maybe you can throw them up there because they're ahead of Boston right now. With J.J. Redick, or at least one more guard, an outside shooter who can handle the ball to really fill out that roster, would Detroit be able to join that upper echelon, or where would they stack up if J.J. Redick was on that roster?
1: I believe they would. Um, I, I believe they would challenge to win 50 games in a season because it would be all about space in that floor. And it would give Reggie, Reggie Jackson a lot more of an area to cut and get to the hoop and play his game. Um, and same thing with Blake Griffin. Um, but, but really... What, what can they do with spacing the floor as far as Andre Drummond? Um, until he can hit an outside shot, there's going to be a center roaming around in that paint, and it's going to be real tough for those guys to try and score in the paint. And that's exactly why Milwaukee is so proficient at scoring in the paint. Eric Bledsoe is is hitting like 80% of his shots at the rim. That's like unheard of for a guy who's under six foot two. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... That, that's just, it's all opened up because there's no center at the rim. Brooke Lopez is standing 30 feet away, and he's pulling his defender out. So, yeah, Eric Bledsoe can go up and get these uncontested layups. That's the stuff that Blake Griffin and Reggie Jackson are needing. But with Andre Drummond's guy not needing to go out past the three-point line, they're, it's just clogged up in the paint. I don't know if they can win with Andre Drummond. I, I just, I don't know if it's possible.
0: You think if they put Andre Drummond in play, put him on the market somewhere, could benefit them?
1: And and I think they have to do that sooner rather than later because the number of teams that are going to be willing to take on that money and actually give something back for Andre Drummond, there still has to be teams out there that think they could do something with them. But that's going to be dwindling. I, it's it, it's, uh, it's something that... It's going to be really unheard of in 10 years, a center that can't shoot the ball. Yeah.
0: Got to sell high, buy low.
1: That's exactly right. And I think now is as good a chance. It's it's as good as the market's going to be.
0: Charlie Bramer is in the studio with us. We are out of time. As always, appreciate you being here. Looking forward to next week and having you on again.
1: Yeah, hopefully the Brewers will have made some big moves. I can go on one of my (laughs) my patented whole segment rants.
0: That's it for us in the Sports Pen. For Charlie Bramer, I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for tuning in on ESPN-UPWZAM, Ishpeming Marquette.